Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Try Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost, built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, incredible load times, and 24-7 WordPress priority support, your sites will be lightning fast with global reach. And with Bluehost Cloud, your sites can handle surges in traffic no matter how big. Plus, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. Get started now at Bluehost.com. Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart. But we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new Sweet Tarts Gummies Fruity Splits, a uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart, but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 165. This week, Ellie talks to Catherine Flood, the curator of Food Bigger Than the Play, a fascinating interactive exhibition at London's V&A Museum. They chat about the quirkiest exhibits, including a plant that answers questions via computer, urban mushroom farms and cheese made using bacteria from the skin of celebrities. Hello, and today I'm here with Catherine Flood, curator of Food Bigger Than the Plate, a V&A exhibition that brings together the politics and pleasure of food to ask about how we can lead to a more sustainable but just as delicious future. So Catherine, can you give us an overview as to what you wanted the exhibition to achieve? I think our main aim was that we wanted to involve people in um, the debates around the future of food, um, which just feels really important right now. And we're living in an era of climate crisis, fast changing societies, um, new technologies with kind of incredible um, potentials. And now is a really important moment, I think, to ask not just what are we going to be eating tomorrow, but what kind of um, food future do we want? Um, so we really wanted to, um, as I said, involve people in those debates, um, encourage people to connect with food in new ways, and, and to really feel like they have a stake in the future of food. It's not just something that's going to be decided for us yeah um so how how is the exhibition split up 
The exhibition takes visitors on a journey um, through a food cycle in, okay. in four sections, um, starting with composting and then farming, trading and finishing with the kind of finale of eating. So yes. we, we start with waste. Yeah, um, <laughs> always good. Yes. In fact, we start with human waste as a... Um, as a strong intro. A, to a, toilet, a, toilet, a toilet project is one of the, ah. one of the first things you see. Um, but it was very important, I think, to um, to get across the idea of it being a cycle to start with something we would normally think of as the end. Yeah. Um, but to get across that idea that if you're a, um, a consumer, you're also a producer yes. of various kinds of waste. We've yeah. got very used to thinking of ourselves um, when we eat as being the end point in a chain of consumption, whereas actually we're part mm. of a, a metabolic cycle. Yeah, it's just a full circle, yes. really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so how how long was the planning process? Because there's so many different mm. elements. It's such an interactive, immersive exhibition. I can imagine it took a long time to bring everything together. Yes, I and mean, I think the sort of first started thinking and talking about it maybe around four years ago, and oh, then wow. actually working on it has been a sort of a three-year um, process and um, with a big team of people. Was there <laughs> um, something that kind of spiked... Was this something that made you think we should do this as an exhibition? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the V&A is a museum of art and design. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. sort of some people's initial reaction to this show is like, well, what's it doing what? at the V&A? Um, but the reason um, and one of the kind of big inspirations for doing it was just seeing so many artists and designers mm. who were turning to food as subject matter and material um, and working with it in ways that were asking the big questions, um, kind of generating ideas around the future of food. And, you know, quite simply, food's become the focus for huge amount of um, creative energy um, yeah. we wanted to, to showcase that and give it a platform um, it's also you know it's really interesting kind of experimental and very collaborative work generally um, I think one of the brilliant things about food as a kind of subject or a material is it doesn't stay in a neat professional box no it crosses over between yeah. arts and sciences and economy and psychology um so it kind of almost demands that people work in a sort of transdisciplinary way so we're finding designers who are working at a very deep level with scientists and chefs um artists collaborating with farmers um so it's it's a really great area to be looking at and the exhibition kind of combines all those things. So um, although it looks at the past, the focus is really on the future and takes people, like you say, on a sensory journey through the food, food cycle. So how did you find those designers, the chefs and the farmers to work with? I think um, so being a curator at an art and design museum, you kind of have the sort of luxury of um yeah. working a lot with um with young artists and designers and seeing degree shows and being involved in kind of art and design press um so as I say kind of um we just sort of saw a kind of critical mass of interesting work um bubbling up and then it was a process of just kind of digging deeper um people making suggestions sort of following up leads nice. um, um and so I think obviously I have seen a lot about the exhibition and there's some really quirky quirky sections of it what would you say is is one of the quirkiest around 
Yes, I mean, I think uh, some of the projects are very um, practical in an immediate way and others are about kind of surprising us and changing mindsets, getting us yeah. to think in new ways. Um, I think one of my um, favourite of the sort of quirkier projects is um, something called Project Florence um, that allows you to talk to a plant. Um, wow. <laughs> you can type it a question and you actually get a reply back from um, the plant from the plants yes wow um, and this is actually based on new scientific research into how plants use electrical signals um, to communicate um, and the idea being that if we got better at listening into those we could potentially change farming practices and use less water or less pesticides because we'd be responding to the plant's actual needs at any one time um, and so what um, Helena Steiner um, has done who is a, um, a bio designer um, she worked um, with Microsoft and added a layer of um, natural language processing so you type wow. a question the computer program kind of picks up on the basic tone of that question and then um turns that into electrical signals and lights that are fired at the plant in the gallery wow. and then very sophisticated sensors and monitor how the plant responds reverse the process into text and you get an answer um, and if the plant's feeling a bit kind of thirsty or too humid or not feeling great then you do get a slightly um more annoyed response from it <laughs> that is incredible and i think that really shows that this isn't just your average exhibition this isn't somewhere where you're just going to walk around look at stuff and leave this is it's yeah fully you are interacting with everything aren't you really and it's reminding us about you know our kind of our role in the sort of system and yeah. and ways that we might you know interact with in this case with with yeah. plants differently um and there's you know a lot of farming technology um up until now has really been about how we control nature um and this project is kind of getting us to think about the fact that um you know, digital technologies might actually offer ways to work with the natural yes. world in new ways um so it's yeah the exhibition is very much about just sort of um getting us to think beyond obvious innovations and think really creatively and it's thinking about stuff that actually and then now it might sound completely out there but in the next few years this could be the norm this could be stuff we're doing every day couldn't it definitely wow. um and there's you know um and we're actually sort of seeing some of the ideas really take off. Um, another project is an edible water bottle okay. um, that uses um, alginate derived from seaweed in order to encase liquids um, into sort of pouches. Um, you can either eat the whole thing or you can discard the casing and it will biodegrade, you know, in a few weeks, whereas yeah. it takes a plastic water bottle, you know, 500 years yeah. to, to disappear. And um, when we first started the exhibition, um, this was being kind of developed by some um, designers from the Royal College of Art who were starting to work with scientists, but they took me into their student kitchen and showed me how they were making them. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and, and now a few years later, they've just signed yeah. a contract with Just Eat to replace um, wow. some of their um, ketchup and condiment sachets. Um, so it's you know it's, wow. it's gone from something that was this really great idea to yeah to actually being in production yeah and it's so cutting edge in that way and topical like I, I guess especially four years ago the big plastic issue wasn't 
people weren't as aware of it, were they, four no. years ago? And now it's perfect timing for things like this, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think um, David Attenborough's yeah, um, we've got him program. Thank. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so as well as um, objects from v collections, mm-hmm. so there's food adverts, there's illustrations. Um, like we said, there's lots of interactive elements. And one that I'm really interested in is Grow Cycles Urban Mushroom Farm. Can you talk a bit about that? Yes. Um, so in our composting section, um, we look at lots of kind of amazing ideas for um, using the waste streams related to food, you know, whether that's human waste or agricultural waste, um, food waste, all the different byproducts of eating and how um, waste can be used as a, as a resource and thinking in terms of sort of circular systems and nutrient loops. And so we were really thinking, well, how could we maybe do something that works with the waste streams within our own institution? Okay. Um, and then we we were sort of looking into that and found um, Grow Cycle, who are specialists in growing um, delicious oyster mushrooms from um, used coffee grounds. Um, Amazing. And um, that's certainly a supply that we have plenty of. I think um, I think our visitors get through over a thousand cups of coffee a day. Oh, wow. um, and that's not even counting staff who need a lot of caffeine yeah, to keep going, keep going. <laughs> um and the thing with making coffee is that you only use a really small amount of the the biomass of the coffee bean and when you make coffee um the coffee grounds are still incredibly rich in nutrients yeah. and make a really great substrate for for growing mushrooms on yeah. um so what we've done is set up um an urban mushroom farm in the gallery yeah and that uses some of the coffee grounds derived from our cafe um and then um it takes about a couple of weeks to incubate and then we bring them into the gallery to fruit. Um, so in the exhibition, you can actually see the oh. oyster mushrooms growing. They're very beautiful. They come yeah. in kind of pinks and oh, yellows yeah. and ordinary mushroom colours. Um, and then um, the chefs from, from the V&A Cafe are coming in harvesting mushrooms oh, yeah. and serving it back to our visitors in, in dishes in the cafe. So the full cycle again. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we also, um, as well as kind of using waste stream, we were really interested in sort of showing some form of urban farming actually in action yes, um, yeah and again sort of thinking about what made sense for our building um, yes. and growing mushrooms off coffee grounds is a really smart form of urban farming because often you don't yeah. have access to good soil but the city has an abundance of of coffee grounds yeah. and, <laughs> absolutely and mushrooms taste better if you don't transport them far so okay. if, you're, if you're growing them local to where you're eating them um, so within the same building is yes perfect. so you you went on all levels including flavor wow <laughs> stick around to hear more from ellie and Catherine, including how they turned pest and bloom and tars bacteria into cheese it sounds a bit gross but it's actually really fascinating I'm guessing when you were planning this exhibition, did you kind of have to re-throw out the rules of how you'd normally curate an exhibition and just actually think, right, this is what we want to do. How are we going to make that happen? 
Yeah, it's definitely a, a different kind of mm. exhibition for us. So that's really kind of sort of pushed us to think in new ways and, you know, on a, on a practical level as well, yeah. um, working with growing things and organic yes, matter. Yeah. Um, normally, you know, we don't really welcome the idea of any kind of fungus <laughs> growing, growing <laughs> in the museum. Health and safety, like, oh <laughs> yes. Um, and we've, you know, we've, we've found ways obviously to do it really safely. So it's, just, you know, the mushroom farm is a sealed unit and it's mm. vented outside. So there's no spores getting into our historic tapestries or anything yeah. like that um but also I think um you know food is a is a multi-sensory subject and you know museums are usually kind of very staunchly mm-hmm. visual environments um so we, it was interesting to you know, be thinking of ways that we could you know involve um the other senses yeah. um the vna has the distinction of being the first museum in the world um to have had um refreshment rooms and oh, really? a cafe and serve visitors food um oh, when it opened in in 1857 oh. um and it, that was a very different sort of social idea of what a museum could be yeah um that's obviously now become standard yes. everywhere yeah everywhere has a museum cafe yeah. <laughs> um but normally what goes on in the cafe um and what goes on in the galleries remains very separate. Yeah, um, you know, we we use visual means to tell stories in the gallery, and we and we f- feed our visitors um, mm. in the cafe. So it was really interesting to um, to have a couple of points in the show where we allow visitors to taste. Okay, um, so we have a, a drinks bar by an amazing um, community enterprise called Company Drinks, who okay. um, forage um, for various sort of plants in in London. Um, embarking in Dagenham and then turn those into amazing drinks at the end of the exhibition we have the Loki Food Lab um, and that's um, being created by a group called the Centre for Genomic Gastronomy and they source 10 ingredients um, from what they call the bioregion that London sits in and then visitors are given 15 choices on a on a tablet about you know what could make a great food system. So whether that's you know, local, high tech, um, vegan, wild, so etc. Um, and then you have to choose three, and then the computer algorithm knocks out some of the ingredients based on those choices. Um, so what you get back is a sort of bite-sized taster that reflects your oh, preferences for the, wow. for the future of food. Um, so people are actually using kind of taste as a form of understanding and also an opportunity to tell us what they consider is important. Yeah, and what they want from the future of the Absolutely, and I think it's really key to say that the exhibition is not um, being didactic about what the future should look like no. and definitely not telling people what to eat, um, but encouraging people to really get thinking about what they want. Yeah, and just explore their own minds really when yes. it comes to food yeah um and so eating of course is a big part mm. of the food chain mm. and one of the questions you asked is about the notions of taste um mm. with the with cheese being cultured from human bacteria so i think that's right yes. <laughs> um, so that sounds quite boundary pushing in terms of uh, a exhibition what what is that um so this is a a project by um christina agapakis um a scientist in america and cecil tolas who's a um, an artist who works with smell um and they um started making cheese using bacteria sampled from human skin and the bacteria um, on our skin is very very similar to the bacteria it's traditionally used um to make cheese um 
It sounds a bit gross. <laughs> it does. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but there, there is a really good reason for doing it. Um, and it's all about um, sort of challenging our sort of feelings and assumptions about the microbial world. Yes. Because um, throughout history, um, humans have worked with microbes in order to preserve food. You know, cheese mm. is a way of preserving milk. And also for creating kind of amazing flavours, you know, beer, kind of yeah. chocolate, um, bread. All the good things. All, all the good <laughs> things um, really rely on, on microbes. Um, but since, you know, the 19th century, when we kind of first saw microbes under the microscopes and realised that, you know, mm. some of them are, are deadly, I mean, we've had the kind of very sort of antiseptic yeah. attitude yeah um clean. and yet sort of um so lots of the good bacteria get kind of eliminated mm-hmm. with the bad um but scientists now are you know are discovering more and more about the importance of the kind of human microbiome the bacteria that's in our gut in our just digestive systems and just how important that is to how we function as humans um yeah. both for our physical health but also for our mental health mm. possibly even know determines aspects of our personalities yeah yeah. (laughs) um and the statistics are incredible um you know i think we have you know 99 percent similarity um to each other in terms of dna but a kind of huge diversity in our kind of bacterial that's the thing that's flora different really yes so the idea so the idea with the cheeses is that each cheese is a microbial portrait of the person who kind of supplied the bacteria Um, and who did supply the bacteria um we got a mix of well yes so we thought that if you know if these cheeses are portraits and they should be kind of people who who are a bit well known yeah you want to you know you want to know what their cheese looks like (laughs) so so we've ended up with celebrity cheeses um um so we have ruby tando from the amazing food writer from the bake-off um heston blumenthal chef um alex james um who was in the pop bland blur who is now a makes cheese cheese. (laughs) um (laughs) suggs another musician um Mm. professor green who hates cheese um (laughs) is absolutely fascinated in um kind of gut health um yeah, but yeah said, he's a big foodie isn't he as he well? really yeah. is um but said the only cheese that he really likes is mozzarella so he stipulated that his <laughs> his cheese had to be a had to be a mozzarella amazing <laughs> so all the cheeses are different they're not all kind of yes yeah, so they're all yeah. um, they're all different varieties yeah. um and they were produced um for us by um open cell who is an open um, biology lab mm. in in shepherd's bush so we had um for a few months we had a vna cheese cave where wow. where all these cheeses were and were these cheeses maturing. also <laughs> being tasted along the way or <laughs> um not so far um mm. we've actually um sent samples to imperial college to have them sequenced oh, okay. to find out exactly what what, what is in, in them yeah um, and then we'll find out whether Amazing. kind of technically they're yeah. they're safe to eat and then wow. of course then then they probably will be um but the only barrier then is psychological yes and true. i think yeah <laughs> i think that's the <laughs> that's the thing people need to get over yeah <laughs> true and i think the kind of you know uh, the root of the project is you know the idea that sort of something you know a smell that we associate with food mm-hmm. you know we'll kind of think of as um delicious as soon as it's associated with the human body yeah (laughs) we have a a different reaction i do remember i got an email about the exhibition i was reading about it and then as soon as i saw something that said like heston blumenthal's skin into cheese i was like hmm yeah not quite quite sure about this but yeah wow that's amazing so it's it's getting us to kind of um think more about um the microbial world and the way that we interact with it and i guess when you think about 
there's plenty of stuff we eat that some people might think, why on earth are you eating that? And that mm. we think it was completely normal. So yeah, yeah it's about it's all about, about how we think, isn't it really? Completely. It's about mindsets yeah. and habits and absolutely. Amazing. So obviously you've said this exhibition isn't trying to tell people what the future of food is going to be. It's just mm. letting them explore and have a think. But what, what do you hope the future might look like? I think um, it's a very optimistic exhibition. Yeah. And it's sort of... It, it really demonstrates that there's no lack of incredible ideas mm. out there. Um, and I think sort of one theme that runs through through many of them is the sort of idea of greater food democracy. So more people involved in more aspects of um, of the food system, you know, not just seeing food as um, a simply a commodity. And so I think that's, you know, that's what I would hope for the future of food is you know food that's biodiverse meaningful and delicious for everybody amazing well thank you so much Catherine and the exhibition obviously it's at the V&A and it's on until 20th of October that's, that's right, right yeah. yes so so come, do you come and have down a look? <laughs> and yeah come and explore and start thinking about the future of food thank you so that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our August issue on the newsstand now, or go and download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and food chat. I'm Allie Colbert, the host of Breaking Down with Allie Colbert. I'm going to break down. Are you going to break down? Let's break things down. Let's break down ourselves, each other, barriers, stereotypes, glass ceilings, maybe also just glasses. Tune in every week as I'm joined by celebrities, experts, and other comedians. I ask all the questions you need the answers to. Follow Breaking Down with Allie Colbert on Spotify to get new episodes every Wednesday.